Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We've been in a series called Nehemiah, Rebuilding Broken Dreams. We've been looking at the life of Nehemiah from the book of Nehemiah. And what we have been struck by is that God uses ordinary people like you and me to accomplish extraordinary things. We've also seen how God is always working behind the scenes. Even when we don't see it, he's always working behind the scenes to fulfill his purposes. And we also talked about a, a holy discontent. What, it, uh, what is it that really bothers us that we just can't stand it any longer? We can't stay on the sidelines. We've got to jump in and do something about it and make our life uh, count. Well, in the book of Nehemiah, we've discovered that uh, the city of Jeremiah, uh, the city of Jerusalem, uh, is like the city of Sarnia. They're in crisis. Uh, the people living in uh, Jerusalem are in crisis. The people living in Sarnia are in crisis. We're living in a global uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic, and the Jewish people were living in a pandemic as, as well. Their pandemic was hopeless. It was in every corner of the city. Every household had been affected, and their pandemic had lasted for years, and there was no vaccine that was going to fix what they were facing. Now, with all of that, we come actually to chapter 3 of the book of Nehemiah. So if you have your Bible or some kind of electronic device, I would encourage you to open up to the book of Nehemiah. This morning, we're hoping to get through chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And I know you're going, come on, Donald. No way that's going to happen. It's taking you five weeks just to go through the first two um, chapters of the book. But what I'm asking, if you'll stay tuned till supper time tonight, we should be able to get through all those chapters. Uh, not really. Not really. We won't stay that long. But in chapter 3, really, we're, we're just given a, a list of names who were involved in the project. Nehemiah is letting us know whose hands are getting dirty uh, for this project. Now, when you read through the chapter, you'll discover he's getting ready to embark on one of the greatest historical events in the life of Judah. They are going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I kind of chuckled when I was reading through chapter 3 when I read some of the names of the gates that they were going to rebuild. It's right there in chapter 3. You can check it out for yourself. But here are some of the names. There was the sheep gate, uh, the fish gate, the horse gate, the east gate, the fountain gate, water gate, the dung gate. These are really are the names of the gates. And um, I assume property values were a lot lower around the dung gate. I'm assuming a lot of people didn't live around that part of the, of the city, nor would I want to live around that part of the city, the Dung Gate. Now, I've gone through the process of building a brand new home. You know, it was supposed to take three to four months. It ended up taking 11 months. I remember in, in the middle of February, I had like a snowsuit on, and I was insulating the house, and it was freezing cold. And I, I remember painting thousands and thousands of feet of of trim, you know, baseboard trim, window trim, uh, door trim. I remember hanging uh, light fixtures, and I soon discovered, man, I need to stick to preaching and hang out my tool belt. Well, Nehemiah is not a train um, construction contractor, but he's got fire in his belly to see something done. And as I said before, 
He just couldn't stand to see the situation of his people just lying in ruins. He, he couldn't turn a blind eye to the situation anymore. He had to jump in and do something. And so he rallies the people together, and he has this pep talk. He says, we can do this. Uh, God will make us successful. And the people came together. And it wasn't just the people living in the city of Jerusalem. It was actually even people from outside the city, outside of the, the city districts. And, and, and you have all these kind of people that he is hiring to do the job. And in, in chapter 3, we find out he hires priests, goldsmiths, and perfume makers. Like, perfume makers. I guess you want to smell good when you're sweating on the job. Nothing like getting the best to rebuild these walls. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, aren't we supposed to be rebuilding walls? I mean, where's the local carpenters union that you can go and, and find some carpenters? Where's the unemployment line where construction workers are, are anxious to do some, some work? I, I think I would be looking for professionals and, and give them a, a tool. I mean, these are great people, but most of them are not equipped to build a fortified city wall. I mean, I would be asking questions like, do you even know the consistency that is needed for mortar? <laughs> do you know how to use a straight edge? Do you know what it means to have something balanced? <laughs> like, these are the questions I'd be asking these people. Well, the task at hand is not an easy undertaking. But this group of people that are going to rebuild the walls are excited to do the job. This wall is going to be built to protect them from their enemies. And, and my modern thing, how long should it take to do a project like this? We're talking about city walls around a city. So if it took me 11 months to build a house, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a three to five year project if you're lucky. I mean, they got to take inventory of who's going to do what, what tools do we have, uh, where do we start, who's in charge. Uh, you need a logistics officer just to kind of get it all organized. And that's going to take for months. Remember, the place is in rubble. The morale of the people is, is low. Yet none of those oppositions seem to slow Nehemiah down. And he rallies the people. And uh, we're told that the people had a mind to work. In fact, some are described as zealous for work. You know, maybe sometimes you've been in a job where they hire this new young guy and he's just got all kinds of fire in his belly. He just works circles around you. Well, th th this is what we're talking about. I mean, they, they were so zealous uh, to get to the job. So the, so the work begins, and everyone seems to be on the same page. Everybody wants to see the city return to its original glory. But just think if only 10% of the people wanted to do the job, how long that would take, maybe a lifetime, and, and people would get discouraged. What about if only 50% of the people uh, joined in this project? It would be a long, enduring project. Or what about if 80% of the people and 20% were just going through the motions, and it would drag just the team down. But in this case, it seems like everybody, the group of people are ready to work, and they're ready to work hard. And they have their hands in the dirt, and they're bearing the heat of the day as they press on. Meanwhile, while they're working so hard, meanwhile, back in reality, we have some people on the sidelines who are beginning the taunting phase. If you ever embark on something significant, we said last week, you will always face opponents. Opportunities always bring 
opposition. You'll always have opposition. And so here are the, the people of God. They, they have this huge task in front of them, and, and everyone is rallied together to do it. And then all of a sudden, the opposition shows up. And so let me read it in, in chapter 4, actually, of Nehemiah. We'll read the first uh, three verses. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the walls, he became uh, angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of associates in the army of Samaria. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? <laughs> Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What? They are building? Even if a fox climbed on it, it would break down the walls of stone. Like, those guys don't know how to build anything. And so, the war of words uh, begin. Remember when you were a kid, you, we used to say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me, which we know is a complete lie because there are times we wish that we did have a broken bone because we knew we'd be healed in six to eight weeks. But sometimes words can be so cutting. I think that's Proverbs that says, you know, out of the mouth comes words uh, of life and death. And, and we know some of us have, have scars from words that have been said to us. And, and so the, the mocking begins here in, in chapter Four. And oftentimes, when words are spoken, they can often come from those who are, have these feelings of insecurity. And that's exactly how it starts here in chapter 4. When I was reading through this, I, I admit I, I sheepishly giggled when I read Nehemiah's prayer. It sounds like a prayer that I would pray, not a man like uh, Nehemiah. Uh, let me just read it for you. Nehemiah 4, in verse 4, he, this is his prayer. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back to their own heads. Give them over to plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sights. Like, give it to them, God. Give them the screws. Get your thumb down on them. Don't let up on them. That sounds like a prayer I'd pray. <laughs> It certainly doesn't sound like a prayer that Jesus would pray. You know, I'm reminded of those words that said, love your enemies, you know, turn the other cheek. I'm like, I don't think those were written yet. <laughs> and so we'll give uh, Nehemiah a, a pass uh, on this prayer. But what I do like about here, what, what Nehemiah prays, is that he does pray, and then he gets right back to work. You know, God, give me the strength to pick up the shovel. I heard this statement years ago when I was a teenager. I've, I've never forgot it. Uh, someone said, pray like it all depends on God. And work like it all depends on you. It's, it's two parts. You pray and then you get to work. Ask God for help and then get to the task that is at hand. There's this spiritual element and this physical element. Now, what we're going to discover is that the opposition actually is going to take it up a, a notch. They're going to go to another level. They're going to leave the, the war of words. And we're going to discover, actually, they're going to go to war. In fact, let's uh, pick that up in, in, in verse uh, 6. So we rebuilt the wall. They're still working, even though there's all kinds of this taunting of words going on. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. 
But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against them. Jerusalem and stir up trouble against them. So you see what's happening, right? Uh, the mocking didn't have effect. So now we're actually going to go to war with these people. We're going to go to battle. I don't know if you ever feel there are times in your life you just feel so overwhelmed, like you're, you're over your head. You think, what am I doing? How did I get myself into this mess? I, I just wanted to help out. And, and here I find I, I, I'm in a mess. I don't know if Nehemiah thought that. I, I probably think he did, but for some reason it didn't seem to, to hold him back. He didn't give in to those thoughts. But when you're reading this, it's like, well, last week we, we were doing so well. I mean, the walls were being built. This week, it's nothing but discouragement. Last week we were making progress, but not this week. So discouragement has kind of set in. People are starting to doubt if they should even try to rebuild the walls. If you look at verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. I mean, just look around us, they're saying. Our enemies are everywhere. <laughs> and, and look at the job. Should we have even started this job? It, it's just so overwhelming. It's, it's too big. Well, let me tell you, every time, every time you get opposition, you know what happens? You begin to doubt. It's just a natural reaction. I mean, every time I have opposition, whether it's from inside or, or from outside the church, my tendency is, well, it's to doubt. Actually, it would be more accurate to say that I let my insecurities come to the surface. Uh, see, when, when opposition comes, you know, there's this voice that says to me, <laughs> who do you think you are, Calder? <laughs> oh, if people really knew what you didn't know, they would, you would never get a job in ministry. Who do you think you are that you could just be transplanted into the city of Sarnia and make a difference? You're not from around here. You're not one of them. Those are the kind of voices that I hear. Those are the kind of voices of opposition that I, that I struggle with. And I want you to know that whenever you have these opportunities to step out for God, there's always going to be opposition to what God has asked you to do. And when opposition comes, it's very easy to begin to fall into doubt. That's why we got to constantly keep our eyes focused on Jesus I know it's a personal battle that I have been fighting uh, for years. And I expect I'll probably be fighting that for the rest of my life. So we discover that people are tired. We, we just read that in, in verse 10. It just seems too much. Uh, they're saying, Nehemiah, just look around. It's an impossible task that we have here. And our enemies, they're, they're, they're going to come and they're going to surround us. When we're not even looking or paying attention, that's when they're going to attack but then I, I like what Nehemiah does in verse 14. In verse 14 it says, 
Nehemiah is speaking. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. He's saying, change your focus. Stop looking at all that's happening around us. Remember the Lord, your God. Stop looking at your circumstances. Look ahead. Look onto the Lord. This is not our battle, he says. This is God's battle. Because remember, greater is he that is in you than, is, than he that is in the world. So don't be afraid of the opposition. Don't be afraid of our enemies. Remember the Lord our God. He's a great God, Nehemiah says. He's a powerful God. In fact, uh, later in chapters, uh, he'll, he'll go on to tell them what they should remember. Like when he says, remember when we were years in bondage, in slavery in Egypt, and they treated us terrible, and we worked to the bone. Remember that, that God sent Moses, and he led us out of, out of slavery? And, and then remember when we found ourselves right at the edge of the Red Sea, and, and we looked behind us, and the enemy was coming behind us, and we were trapped don't you remember what God did? He divided the Red Sea and we walked over on dry land. Don't you remember that? And then when our enemies kept pursuing, God brought the waters back together and destroyed our enemies. Uh, don't you remember that God led us through the wilderness with, with a, a, a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night? Don't you remember when we couldn't find food that all of a sudden God provided manna every single day for us to eat? When we were thirsty, he provided water out of a rock. When, when we were wandering in the desert for 40 years, our shoes never wore out. Don't you remember that? And so Nehemiah begins to resurrect their memories to help them refocus why they don't have to be afraid because God is great and God is powerful. You know, sometimes our circumstances, our oppositions are going to cause us to doubt. And there will be those voices that will say, maybe to you, who do you think you are? You think you can be a small group leader? Like if people knew your past, you would never be asked to be a group leader. Or, or like this one, you think you're going to help love, encourage, shape teenagers at church? Look at your own kids. Look at the success rate you had with them. They're a mess. You think you're going to start up a nonprofit organization to help the disadvantaged when you can't even get your own finances? In order, or you're too young to do this. Uh, you're too old. You're not educated enough. You can't handle stress. You can't deal with kids. Those are the voices of opposition that will come your way. And that is the time to remember what God has done for us in our past. Then, as you notice what we read here, Nehemiah goes on to say, and fight. He says here, fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight uh, for your wives. 
Remember what the Lord has done, yes, but then fight. I was thinking that for us. Remember what God has done. Remember he's great and he's powerful, but then fight. Fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your son who's been addicted to drugs. A fight for your daughter who struggles with mental health. A fight for that child who doesn't know Jesus yet. A fight for that parent who's been so resistant to the gospel. Fight for that lonely neighbor who is so desperate for a friend like Jesus. I like what Nehemiah says. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And remember the Lord our God. He is a great God. And he's a powerful God. Don't give up, is what Nehemiah is saying. Don't give up. Keep building one stone at a time and see what God will do with those broken lives and those broken hearts and those broken marriages and those broken relationships and those broken dreams. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, Nehemiah and the people, they did not stop They didn't give up. There was opposition at every corner. And you know what happened? Do you know what happened with all the opposition that was around them? They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. 52 days. That is unheard of. How does something of that magnitude, of that scale, actually get done? It's ridiculous to even think about it. This is how it gets done. Because if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? And when God has called you to step out, Yes, there's going to be opposition. But remember, if God is for us, who can stand against us? Thanks for listening. And consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no way.